0: Welcome to Healthy Hawkesbury, a podcast for people living in our area, brought to you by the leading health experts servicing our community. Our program is brought to you by St. John of God Healthcare's Hawkesbury District Health Service, your local hospital positioned in the heart of the magnificent Hawkesbury Valley. Health professionals in conversation, talking about what matters most to our community. We cover all range of topics, from the latest innovations fascinating histories of conditions and treatments, to the ailments that are particularly prevalent in the Hawkesbury. With a panel of health experts, we'll explore everything health-related from advice, insights and access. Brought to you by our community, for our community. The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature only. It should not be relied on to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease or as a substitute for the specific advice of a health professional. Hawkesbury District Health Service does not assume liability for the accuracy or completeness of the information. If you are seeking advice relevant to your particular circumstances or are feeling unwell, you should seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any surgical or invasive procedure carries risks. Before proceeding, you should seek a second opinion from an appropriately qualified health practitioner.
1: Welcome to Healthy Hawkesbury. I'm Tina Thew, Deputy Director of Community and Allied Health here at Hawkesbury District Health Service. That's a very long title, but my background is as a physiotherapist and I've worked here at Hawkesbury for many years and worked with Dr Walsh, who's going to be our guest today for quite some time. Today, we're going to be talking about innovations in hip surgery, and in particular, the gluteal tendon reconstruction, which Dr. Walsh specializes in. Hip surgery is a very big part of what we do here, and we have had some of the country's leading orthopedic surgeons working here at the hospital. Today, as I mentioned, we're talking to Dr. Michael Walsh, who performs hip tendon reconstruction surgery, and he's put the Hawkesbury on the map. And we're recognised right through Australia and internationally as a centre of excellence in this particular type of surgery. So, welcome to the programme, Dr Walsh. Thank you, Tina. So, Dr Walsh, you've lived in the Hawkesbury, the beautiful Hawkesbury, for quite some time, in fact, since 1985. What drew you not only to orthopaedics, but also to the beautiful Hawkesbury?
2: Well, I always intended to live in the Hawkesbury while I was at school. Because I used to come out here camping on holidays during my school days, and fell in love with the whole area, and decided that this is uh, where I wanted to live. And uh, consequently, I worked out where I wanted to live, and then had to find somewhere to work. So the natural thing to do was to work here at Hawkesbury Hospital.
1: So, Dr. Walsh, you specialise in hips, I do. Um, and you see many patients with hip pain. So what are the specific signs and symptoms that direct you specifically to gluteal tendinopathies?
2: Well, I've always had an interest in uh, the intractable problem. And many years ago, uh, a patient was sent to me who had uh, a diagnosis of bursitis, and she'd had a lot of treatment for this, which had been ineffective,
1: that's, that wouldn't be with physios, would it?
2: No. Well, yes, it was physio. <laughs> I'm afraid to say, yes, physiotherapy, some cortisone injections and some other pharmaceutical treatments, uh, some of which were complementary rather than pharmaceuticals, if you know what I mean, which had not really influenced her symptoms and they'd slowly become worse. And when I had a look at her hip x-ray, which had been reported as normal, I noticed that there was a very, very slight, subtle change over the attachment of the hip tendons and it occurred to me that, that there was perhaps a problem with the hip tendons and I said to her that we should explore this because nothing else had worked because I thought there might be a problem there and uh, I confirmed that she had quite a significant separation of a tendons from the bony attachment and I did a fairly rudimentary reconstruction and um, when she returned she noticed a dramatic improvement in the symptoms. And so I began to look around for this, and uh, this all started in the in the early nineties. And I have been looking at this ever since, and uh, developed quite an interest in it. And as I would discuss these problems with my colleagues, and they'd scratch their head because they hadn't really thought that this was an issue, um, they began sending those patients to me, and it's really gone from there.
1: These patients present with significant pain. When they see you, don't they? They certainly do. They're not just in a little bit of discomfort. It affects their whole existence. It it
2: it affects uh, their general functional capacity in the same way that a very arthritic hip would affect them.
1: So little things like getting out of a chair or walking down the street or climbing a set of stairs,
2: getting in and out of the car, being able to stand on one foot at a time and put your pants on—it's all affected by this. Uh, Sleep is disturbed. Patients with this problem have great difficulty being able to sleep lying on their side uh, because they put pressure on the bony prominence on the side of the hip, which is the side of the pain. And the great difficulty is often it's diagnosed as bursitis and they have a cortisone injection which doesn't help them for more than a day or so until the anaesthetic wears off. And the difficulty for them is that they're told that it's just bursitis and it gets better as it progressively gets worse. And then they begin to out their own sanity.
1: Can I just say I've actually been in one of your surgeries and uh, Dr. Walsh, you showed me what a bursitis actually looks like and it's tiny and uh, It's
2: a tiny little piece of tissue and it's definitely not something which is likely to incapacitate someone.
1: Exactly right. It was quite eye opening when when you showed me how small and insignificant it was in reality. So what does the gluteal tendon reconstruction procedure actually involve?
2: There are two tendons that we have to deal with and each tendon can be affected individually. So the diagnosis is made based on the patient's history and their presentation and their functional incapacity. And if we are able to get an MRI, we get an MRI and have a look on an MRI. Some patients in this age group have pacemakers or pain stimulators in their spine and and it makes it very difficult for them to have an MRI because of the implant. But normally we would do an MRI and we can see the uh, the damage to the tendons and the geometry of the problem and we plan our surgery around that. So the two tendons are treated as separate structures and we dissect them out and complete the separation off the bone, clean them up and then refix them with uh, stitches into the tunnels so that we drill in the bone. And uh, it's a very complex operation because there can be up to 20 tunnels with one or two arms of a suture in each one. So uh, one has to be very careful about how you manage those sutures, otherwise you just end up with macrame in the end.
1: And I must say, Dr. Walsh, I have treated your post-operative patients and being a very young physio here, I do remember uh, getting taught by you about uh, the importance of being very, very gentle and that the muscles uh, and the tendons are stitched back onto the bone very precariously and they need to be protected For quite some time.
2: Well, they do. Uh, The reason the problem arises in the first place is because the normal loads on those tendon attachments uh, is measured in multiples of the the individual's body weight. And we don't repair normal tendons. We only repair train wrecks. (laughs) So the tendon quality is not very good. And uh, we can get a very good repair But it's important not to impose weight-bearing loads on that repair until it's healed. Uh, And it's a very simple concept to understand because if you fall over and break your ankle, we don't tell you to get up and walk on it straight away. We put you on crutches and wait for the bones to start to heal together. And when the bones are strong enough, then you start to walk on it and do your physio to regain your mobility. And so we like to wait until we're sure that the healing process has evolved to a point where the strength of the muscles acting on the repair uh, are not as strong as the bond of the tendon repaired onto the bone. And that just takes time. Uh, so it's prudent really to uh, protect weight bearing in the post-operative period. And it's a very hard thing to sell. And uh, particularly if you're 80 and your balance is poor, it can be very, very Uh, difficult to undertake and we uh, send our patients to rehab centres to help them along to be able to mobilise and uh, if the worst comes to the worst there's always a wheelchair to mobilise. But the only restriction is non-weight bearing in terms of movement. You can sit in a chair and move around and we encourage people to, to move as much as they can to try and get their physiology back to normal because blood clots are always a an issue after any form of hip surgery. And and this is not free of that problem either.
1: Mm. And six weeks does seem like a very long time not to be able to put weight on it. But uh, we say to them that the weight is worth it. So we see them post-operatively and uh, tell them six weeks, you are not allowed to weight bear. Uh, But we assure them as physios treating them that that weight is worth the weight.
2: Yes, we undertake a a complex and difficult operation and impose some restrictions on our patients after this, but there's no point doing surgery of this magnitude and then testing it to destruction before it's ready. So it's a short period of time in a lifetime, and particularly if your symptoms have been troubling you for many, many years, another couple of weeks uh, is not really going to be too much of a problem.
1: No, and seeing the outcome is definitely worth it. Oh, yes. And, uh, Dr Walsh, people come from all over Australia um, to Hawkesbury to get this this particular procedure done. We've we've shipped people back to Queensland and...
2: um, Queensland. uh, Adelaide. I've had patients from Melbourne and Tasmania earlier this year, Adelaide. Um, I don't think I've had a patient from Darwin yet. Ah. Um, I could could be mistaken on that. But I've had patients from Alaska and from Dubai. Uh, so, yes, they have travelled a long way.
1: Why? Why are people travelling these great distances, leaving their families and coming to the Hawkesbury to have this procedure done?
2: Uh, well, there's several ways they find their way to my office. Probably the most common way they would be sent to me by my orthopaedic colleagues who know I have a particular interest in this and expertise in it. And uh, they would send them along and sometimes they would send them along after they've already had some surgery which has not completely relieved their symptoms and they uh, ask me to take a look to see if if I can do anything to improve that situation. But some people come to see me via our new colleague, Dr Google. They type in trachenteric bursitis, uh, which it isn't.
1: Do they know how to spell that?
2: Well, Google will spell it for them. Good. Because it'll complete the sentence. And my uh, website sometimes comes up on page one or two and they read the section on trochanteric bursitis, which is how I've labelled it, because that's the name that this condition is called, even though it isn't. And when they read that, they say to me, oh, my God, it's like you have presented me, uh, because it's such a common story of uh, pain in the trochanteric area that uh, doesn't respond to any of the treatments that have been administered, and they've always been reassured that it just gets better. Well, all the time it's slowly getting worse. And they then begin to doubt their sanity because they've been told they should be getting better and it's only bursitis, and they have this problem that's stopping them from walking. They can't pick up their grandchildren, they can't walk around the shopping centre without having to lean on the shopping trolley, and they're quite incapacitated in the end. And so it's really patients doing their own homework that can find me because I'm on the web.
1: I've seen some of your patients post-operatively as a physio and treated them. And one really interesting conversation I had with one patient, she mentioned that she had a bit of a journey to get to you and that she started off with one orthopod in the Hawkesbury. And he looked at her scans and said, "Mm, you don't need me. You need Dr. Michael Walsh because you have a tendinopathy. You don't need a hip replacement, and she said she was quite surprised because she'd never come across another surgeon referring to another surgeon, and not only another surgeon but another surgeon down the road. So, um, yes, it's quite unique the procedure you perform and even the relationship.
2: That's right. I think that that is a measure of the collegiality that exists amongst the orthopedic fraternity, both in Penrith and in the Hawkesbury. Uh, we all work together and uh, we all know our own strengths and weaknesses and we play to that. And so I have absolutely no hesitation asking my shoulder specialist colleagues to, to see patients who were initially referred to me. Um, my secretary's husband, I referred to one of my shoulder colleagues who needed some major shoulder surgery on both shoulders and he did extraordinarily well. But we do tend to have subspecialty areas of, of expertise, and we recognise that, and we don't feel put out by having to engage with our colleagues, and it works very, very well, and it's it's good for everyone in the Hawkesbury and in the PN area as well. And I think that uh, the standard of orthopaedics that happens on the periphery of Sydney could hold its own Anywhere in Australia.
1: And our Hawkesbury residents, that we have that ability to, That's right. to provide that service.
2: I've also been overseas to a number of um, units to do demonstration operations. Uh, some years ago, I was asked to go to the Princess Elizabeth Hospital in Exeter in the wow. UK. And uh, I was extremely flattered by that invitation because the Princess Elizabeth Hospital in Exeter is probably the, the premier hip surgery unit in the UK, in Europe, and possibly you know would hold its own in, in any hip surgery institution anywhere on the planet at the moment. And when the director of the department came out to visit me to see me do some of these surgeries, he invited me back and said that this is not hip replacement, it's so important, we have to uh, bring you back. So he asked me to go back. Uh, to do a a live demonstration in front of um, an audience of international orthopaedic colleagues. And so they found the worst possible case they could find and served this uh, poor lady up to me. But uh, we were able to do a, a pretty good repair of this. And in talking to the team at Exeter in the years after at visit, they uh, assured me that that lady had done supremely well after 11 years of symptoms. And the first symptom that she experienced is when she fell over here in Australia, oh, no. when she was visiting her daughter who lives here.
1: Do you still get people who are referred to you with a trochanteric bursitis?
2: I do. And I can give you an example most recently. I saw someone from the mid-north coast who had been symptomatic for 15 years. And all that while, she had been told that she had bursitis and had been treated as such. And she'd had 10 injections up until now. And she visited an orthopaedic colleague on the North Coast who thought that the problem was probably more likely due to her tendons. And he arranged for an MRI, which clearly showed that, in fact, she had a problem with the tendons. And incidentally, there was no evidence of bursitis at all on the MRI. But he felt that surgery or nothing could be done for it and she was obviously extremely upset by that Uh, but he was a very caring colleague and didn't let it rest at that so he did some homework and he rang around and he rang me and asked if I would be interested in seeing this patient and I said yes I said of course I would and when I had a look at the MRI I understood uh, immediately that all this time she'd been troubled by problems with attendance and they just got worse and worse and i Suggested to her that we could uh, improve that situation by reconstructing the tendons, and we've done that surgery. And even in the post operative period, she's as comfortable as she has been for 15 years. So, if you deal with the problem, you deal with the symptoms, and that's what we're here to do.
1: That's quite amazing. The other thing to mention, Dr. Walsh, is that you've recently published some long term findings on the procedure. What has your research shown?
2: We had a look at a cohort of about 200 patients who had the hip tendon reconstructions at least five and up to 10 years ago. And we got in touch with all but about six of them uh, who we'd lost touch with or who were of an age where their cognition uh, was impaired by dementia um, or they had gone to meet their maker. But we had about 180 patients and of that group, about 92% of them were good or excellent in terms of their recovery, five to 10 years post-surgery. So it deals with the problem in the long term. It's not like they're better for a couple of months and then it all starts to come back again. We're very confident that that once we get the tendons reconstructed, the symptoms are solved really in the long term.
1: And the fact that people come back to have their other hips done.
2: We've probably uh, got about 30% of patients have both hips done.
1: Quite a good outcome. Mm. Very good. Well, it's been a privilege to speak with you today, Dr. Walsh.
0: That's my great pleasure, Tina. Thanks for listening to Healthy Hawkesbury. If you'd like to learn more about our hospital, doctors and services, please head to sjog.org.au forward slash Hawkesbury or subscribe to Healthy Hawkesbury on your favourite podcast app.